0: part one chapter one section nine of the possessed by fyodor dostoevsky translated by constance garnett this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine section nine at one time it was reported about the town that our little circle was a hotbed of nihilism profligacy and godlessness and the rumor gained more and more strength and yet we did nothing but indulge in the most harmless agreeable typically russian light-hearted liberal chatter the higher liberalism and the higher liberal that is a liberal without any definite aim is only possible in russia stepan trofimovitch like every witty man needed a listener and besides that he needed the consciousness that he was fulfilling the lofty duty of disseminating ideas and finally he had to have someone to drink champagne with and over the wine to exchange light-hearted views of a certain sort about russia and the russian spirit about god in general and the russian god in particular to repeat for the hundredth time the same russian scandalous stories that every one knew and every one repeated we had no distaste for the gossip of the town which often indeed led us to the most severe and loftily moral verdicts we fell into generalizing about humanity made stern reflections on the future of europe and mankind in general authoritatively predicted that after caesarism france would at once sink into the position of a second-rate power and were firmly convinced that this might terribly easily and quickly come to pass we had long ago predicted that the pope would play the part of a simple archbishop in a united italy and were firmly convinced that this thousand-year-old question had in our age of humanitarianism industry and railways become a trifling matter but of course russian higher liberalism could not look at the question in any other way stepan trofimovitch sometimes talked of art and very well though rather abstractly he sometimes spoke of the friends of his youth all names noteworthy in the history of russian progress he talked of them with emotion and reverence though sometimes with envy if we were very much bored the jew lyamshin a little post-office clerk a wonderful performer on the piano sat down to play and in the intervals would imitate a pig a thunderstorm a confinement with the first cry of the baby and so on and so on it was only for this that he was invited indeed if we had drunk a great deal and that did happen sometimes though not often we flew into raptures and even on one occasion sang the marseillaise in chorus to the accompaniment of lyamshin though i don't know how it went off the great day the nineteenth of february we welcomed enthusiastically and for a long time beforehand drank toasts in its honour but that was long ago before the advent of shatov or virginsky when stepan trofimovitch was still living in the same house with varvara petrovna for some time before the great day, Stepan Trofimovitch fell into the habit of muttering to himself well-known, though rather far-fetched lines, which must have been written by some liberal landowner of the past. The peasant with his axe is coming, something terrible will happen. Something of that sort. I don't remember the exact words. Varvara Petrovna overheard him on one occasion, and crying, nonsense, nonsense, she went out of the room in a rage liputin who happened to be present observed malignantly to stepan trofimovitch it'll be a pity if their former serfs really do some mischief to messieurs les landowners to celebrate the occasion and he drew his forefinger round his throat cher ami stepan trofimovitch observed believe me that this he repeated the gesture will never be of any use to our landowners nor to any of us in general we shall never be capable of organizing anything even without our heads though our heads hinder our understanding more than anything i may observe that many people among us anticipated that something extraordinary such as liputin predicted would take place on the day of the emancipation and those who held this view were the so-called authorities on the peasantry and the government i believe stepan trofimovitch shared this idea so much so that almost on the eve of the great day he began asking Varvara petrovna's leave to go abroad in fact he began to be uneasy but the great day passed and some time passed after it and the condescending smile reappeared on stepan trofimovitch's lips in our presence he delivered himself of some noteworthy thoughts on the character of the russian in general and the russian peasant in particular like hasty people we have been in too great a hurry with our peasants he said in conclusion of a series of remarkable utterances we have made them the fashion and a whole section of writers have for several years treated them as though they were newly discovered curiosities we have put laurel wreaths on lousy heads the russian village has given us only Kamarinsky in a thousand years a remarkable russian poet who was also something of a wit seeing the great rachel on the stage for the first time cried in ecstasy i wouldn't exchange rachel for a peasant i am prepared to go further i would give all the peasants in russia for one rachel it's high time to look things in the face more soberly and not to mix up our national rustic pride with bouquet de l'imperatrice liputin agreed at once but remarked that one had to perjure oneself and praise the peasant all the same for the sake of being progressive that even ladies in good society shed tears reading poor anton and that some of them even wrote from paris to their bailiffs that they were henceforward to treat the peasants as humanely as possible it happened and as ill-luck would have it just after the rumours of the anton petroff affair had reached us that there was some disturbance in our province too only about ten miles from skvoreshniki so that a detachment of soldiers was sent down in a hurry this time stepan trofimovitch was so much upset that he even frightened us he cried out at the club that more troops were needed that they ought to be telegraphed from some other province he rushed off to the governor to protest that he had no hand in it begged him not to allow his name on account of old associations to be brought into it and offered to write about his protest to the proper quarter in petersburg fortunately it all passed over quickly and ended in nothing but i was surprised at stepan trofimovitch at the time three years later as everyone knows people were beginning to talk of nationalism and public opinion first came upon the scene stepan trofimovitch laughed a great deal my friends he instructed us if our nationalism has dawned as they keep repeating in the papers it's still at school at some german peterschule sitting over a german book and repeating its everlasting german lesson and its german teacher will make it go down on its knees when he thinks fit i think highly of the german teacher but nothing has happened and nothing of the kind has dawned and everything is going on in the old way that is as ordained by god to my thinking that should be enough for russia Pour notre sainte russie besides all this slavism and nationalism is too old to be new nationalism if you like has never existed among us except as a distraction for gentlemen's clubs and moscow ones at that i'm not talking of the days of igor of course and besides it all comes of idleness everything in russia comes of idleness everything good and fine even it all springs from the charming cultured whimsical idleness of our gentry i'm ready to repeat it for thirty thousand years we don't know how to live by our own labour and as for the fuss they're making now about the dawn of some sort of public opinion has it so suddenly dropped from heaven without any warning how is it they don't understand that before we can have an opinion of our own we must have work our own work our own initiative in things our own experience nothing is to be gained for nothing if we work we shall have an opinion of our own but as we never shall work our opinions will be formed for us by those who have hitherto done the work instead of us that is as always europe the everlasting germans our teachers for the last two centuries. Moreover, Russia is too big a tangle for us to unravel alone without the Germans and without hard work. For the last twenty years I've been sounding the alarm and the summons to work. I've given up my life to that appeal, and in my folly I put faith in it. Now I have lost faith in it, but I sound the alarm still and shall sound it to the tomb. I will pull at the bell ropes until they toll for my own requiem. Alas! we could do nothing but assent we applauded our teacher and with what warmth indeed and after all my friends don't we still hear to-day every hour at every step the same charming clever liberal old russian nonsense our teacher believed in god i can't understand why they make me out an infidel here he used to say sometimes i believe in god i believe in him as a being who is conscious of himself in me only i cannot believe as my nastasya the servant or like some country gentleman who believes to be on the safe side or like our dear Shatov. but no shatov doesn't come into it shatov believes on principle like a moscow slavophile as for christianity for all my genuine respect for it i'm not a christian i am more of an antique pagan like the great Goethe, or like an ancient greek the very fact that christianity has failed to understand woman is enough as george sand has so splendidly shown in one of her great novels as for the bowings fasting and all the rest of it i don't understand what they have to do with me however busy the informers may be here i don't care to become a jesuit in the year eighteen forty seven bielinski who was abroad sent his famous letter to gogol and warmly reproached him for believing in some sort of god entre nous soit dit i can imagine nothing more comic than the moment when gogol the gogol of that period read that phrase and-and the whole letter but dismissing the humorous aspect and as i am fundamentally in agreement i point to them and say these were men they knew how to love their people they knew how to suffer for them they knew how to sacrifice everything for them yet they knew how to differ from them when they ought and did not filch certain ideas from them could byelinsky have sought salvation in lenten oil or peas with radish but at this point shatov interposed those men of yours never loved the people they didn't suffer for them and didn't sacrifice anything for them though they may have amused themselves by imagining it he growled sullenly looking down and moving impatiently in his chair they didn't love the people yelled stepan trofimovitch oh how they loved russia neither russia nor the people shatov yelled too with flashing eyes you can't love what you don't know and they had no conception of the russian people all of them peered at the russian people through their fingers and you do too byelinsky especially from that very letter to gogol one can see it byelinsky like the inquisitive man in krylov's fable did not notice the elephant in the museum of curiosities but concentrated his whole attention on the french socialist beetles he did not get beyond them and yet perhaps he was cleverer than any of you you've not only overlooked the people you've taken up an attitude of disgusting contempt for them if only because you could not imagine any but the french people the parisians indeed and were ashamed that the russians were not like them that's the naked truth and he who has no people has no god you may be sure that all who cease to understand their own people and lose their connection with them at once lose to the same extent the faith of their fathers and become atheistic or indifferent i'm speaking the truth this is a fact which will be realized that's why all of you and all of us now are either beastly atheists or careless dissolute imbeciles and nothing more and you too stepan trofimovitch i don't make an exception of you at all in fact it is on your account i am speaking let me tell you that as a rule after uttering such monologues which happened to him pretty frequently shatov snatched up his cap and rushed to the door in the full conviction that everything was now over and that he had cut short all friendly relations with stepan trofimovitch forever but the latter always succeeded in stopping him in time hadn't we better make it up shatov after all these endearments he would say benignly holding out his hand to him from his armchair shatov clumsy and bashful disliked sentimentality externally he was rough but inwardly i believe he had great delicacy although he often went too far he was the first to suffer for it muttering something between his teeth in response to stepan trofimovitch's appeal and shuffling with his feet like a bear he gave a sudden and unexpected smile put down his cap and sat down in the same chair as before with his eyes stubbornly fixed on the ground wine was of course brought in and stepan trofimovitch proposed some suitable toast for instance the memory of some leading man of the past end of part one chapter one recording by expatriate in bangor maine